Hey everyone, and welcome to a special World Not Tying Day episode of High Fives Podcast. Um, this is based on, we're releasing this on December 17th, which is the day before, so we give you 24 hours or that to prepare yourself mentally and physically for December 18th, which is World Not Tying Day. Now, um, I've got the sheet here, promotional sheet. It's from the International Guild of Knot Tires. Um, and apparently the 18th of December was Clifford Ashley's birthday. And Clifford Ashley wrote Ashley's book of knots, the Bible of the knot tying world. And so they chose this day to be World Knot Tying Day. And what they're asking people to do is post a photo of yourself tying a knot onto any of the social media with the hashtag, hashtag World Knot Tying Day. That's W-O-R-L-D-K-N-O-T-T-Y-I-N-G-D-A-Y. All right, so we're just going to do an episode of the training team. We've got myself, Phil Brown. We've got Chris Danboys. Hi. We've got Rich Geegan. Hi, everybody. And Lisa Hunt. Hello. Uh, and we're just going to talk about knots, our favorite knots, the way we've learned them, the way we teach them, and any anecdotes we have around knots. Uh, so who would like to begin? I, I want to begin by asking, I'm curious, what are your favorite knots, each of you? If you had to pick only one knot, what's your favorite? And then I'll reveal mine. So my favorite knot is the Alpine Butterfly. And I have it actually right in front of me on the desk. Um, and the reason for it is because of a lot of knots, when you're tying them, you can visualize the knot coming into form. So it's sort of like it, it, there's no surprise piece to it. And because I like magic tricks, there's a feeling of a magical effect of you wrapping. And the way I tie it, there's lots of ways to tie it. But the way I tie it is I tie it three times around my hand. First one closest to my thumb. Second one closest to my fingertips. Third, third one in the middle. Um, then you take that one closest to your fingertips all the way back to your wrist and then under the two and pull. Um, but what I like about that is that in the process of doing it, you don't really see the knot forming. And then when they pull the two strands to the side, the the reveal of the knot is there. And I think that when I see people tie it, they get excited about it. And plus it's relatively simplistic. So it's a knot that most people can get on board with. For me, it's double fisherman's. Any special I reason? like the way it looks and the way it lays when you connect those two ends together then you nice. can change the length and it's just fun yeah what about you lisa um i let's see i really enjoy the friction hitch family i think for the maybe there's some magic there it's like when you don't think it's going to hold and all of a sudden you see that hitch take all that load it's really interesting um and then any knot where a participant says oh i'm never going to learn that like whatever that is it's like all right, we're going to make this happen. It's like a challenge has been thrown mm-hmm. down. How about you, Chris? I think my favorite knot is probably the dragon knot. And this is a joke knot <laughs> yeah. that I often teach in basic courses after the real knots, the knots that are part of the curriculum have been taught. And then I teach a fictitiously tied knot that has no bearing to any relationship to practicality in any way, shape, or form, and really get people enthralled with the process of tying this elaborate ruse, in effect, and then simply walking out the door and dragging it on the ground. 
the dragon nut really makes me a lot of fans. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone goes, Woo! I was hoping you could tie one right now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. How, how, did, uh, how did people in this room learn their first knot? Can you remember tying your first one and how you learned it? For and me, I've, it was Cub Scouts square knot things like that bowling and then also um i was fortunate to be able to live on long island where i sailed a lot so it was really sailing that kind of introduced me to some basic knots as well as the cup shots i think my my mind immediately flashed back to my my uncle bob who was a railroad worker, but his crafty specialty was he was a leather worker, and he used to make pocketbooks and um, knife sheaths and gun holsters and things like that, working with leather. And he taught me some simple, like, girth hitch, clove hitches with, with like, a, a leather strap that you would tie intricately around pieces. So that's probably my first memory of actually learning a useful application of cordage. I think my first knot that I remember being taught at camp in the climbing program was the water knot for the Swiss seat in webbing, mm-hmm. right? It's called the water knot, yeah. like the like the retraced overhand in webbing to finish tying off the improvised harness. I mean, I think the real f- like first functional knot, like the knot that I learned and then used over and over again is like a taut line hitch. I was thinking I did that for camping. Yeah. A taut line. Camping, setting up tarps and yep. stuff. Yep. And then I actually, if I think the first knot I learned was how to tie my shoelaces. There you go. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. You know, like you think about yeah. everyone has to, at some point does that. And the thing that sticks in my brain more about it, and I think it's interesting, uh, do this with play of like your first experience of play and then how that affects. I taught, I, I was the person that taught my brother how to tie his shoelaces. So he's two years younger than me. And I can vividly remember where I was. I was sitting in our backyard under our uh, goal post. We had like a soccer goal. And I was sitting in that. And I taught him how to tie his own shoelaces. I don't know why that sticks in my brain. but it's, uh, And now I teach people how to tie knots. So there's some sort of correlation between me teaching him. And that may, it was, it's, it, I think it's cool. I think me and Rich were talking about sometimes in your workshops, you'll get a couple of people who are super into it. And then others who just could not get ready to go on to something else. They know they have to learn it. They hate it. But then you get some people who love it. And I absolutely really enjoy it. I'm a, I get nerdy on it. And so, I don't know, maybe it ties into that because I liked teaching that. I, I remember the time. I mean, it, it's interesting you say learning to tie your shoes. I remember the time when I was just old enough to realize that not everybody tied their shoes the same way. Mm-hmm. Like some people make the two bunny ear thing and they fold yeah. them over mm-hmm. and do like that overhand knot of the bunny ears and mm-hmm. some do one bunny ear and wrap it around and then mm-hmm. pull the bite through. Yeah. And then there's some really crazy, wacky ways out there. And I remember thinking, oh, they do it differently. It comes out the same. Yeah. And it was like this sort of aha moment for me around knots that it isn't the way that I do it mm-hmm. necessarily. That's cool. Uh, well, I taught more than, uh, excuse me, tied more than a few knots being an elementary PE teacher for six years with kindergarten and we'd love to see the velcro but the velcro wasn't really around that much so if it was like hey mr king can you tie my shoes oh i would tie their their shoes in the car ronky fashion of just tie as many knots as you possibly can (laughs) keep those sneakers on and let's move on in the class so 
There's something I, I I don't know. I get excited about knots only because I think there's something cool about people taking a single strand and making it into something and then doing it themselves. And there be there is a, a like this aha feeling to it. And some knots, you know, I get a little bit OCD. Those people who be in my workshops, especially at BB, that you know bite lengths are good, tail lengths are good, that the knot is dressed. But I think when people make them. And get them that way. There's that great sense of achievement. I had someone from who was in a BB, Beyond Basics, and uh, I was teaching them. You know, they were reviewing the the double o, uh, double figure out and a bite or the super eight, and they were not good at getting their tail lengths good. Like it would either be too short, too long. And they sent me a photo of the of a good tie knot. Now I told them that they had to untie it, but which was disappointing to them. <laughs> They're like, oh, can I not just leave that in? Um, but it was like cool for because they got excited about tying knots and I don't know I get excited about that often as much if not more than when people belay well and like they have that experience of them belaying someone I think that because knots for some people it's super easy and for other people it's really really hard and when those people who struggle get it I don't know they it seems really cool yeah it is I mean not use people often think of climbers or people in our work as the people who use knots and that's we are a very small fraction of people who use knots. If you look at like Ashley's book and you pulled out the 12 knots that we use, that's 12 of 3,900. You know, you get into the yachting and sailing world and there's probably a whole host and then the construction world and all of those applications of knots is way bigger than the few that we use. What do you think the first application of a basic knot that we all use, let's say figure eight retrace, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. 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 Phil's going to read you a little history, but it's, it's, oh. it's Neanderthals, early, early humans. Um, so this is in the Ultimate Encyclopedia of Knots and Rope Work by Jeffrey Budworth, um, and it's page eight, History and Origins Uses. So cave dwellers tied knots. The 1960s American knot, nodding writer Cyrus Lawrence Day believed that knots predated, perhaps by several millennia, the time when humankind learned to use fire and cultivate the soil, invented the wheel and harnessed the wind. Uh, there are some credible clues from non-perishable artifacts dug up by archaeologists that humans used knots and cordage more than 300,000 years ago. Yeah, can you picture like a stone tool and someone wanting to get leverage on it so they wanted to put a handle attachment to it? So they notched the wood, they notched the stone, and then they used some sort of fibrous cordage to lash and tie this piece of wood to this and created a handle out of that. It's a very and all of those, kind of thing. All of those fibers have perished and decomposed, but they can still see the grooves in like the rock and the wood that would indicate there must have been something on it. Something, something tying it together. Any any uh, any things that you all do individually that you think helps participants learn how to tie knots? Because you know, as I referenced, I I tie teach tying knots different than the way I tie them. Um, I, I tie the super eight as an example in stages. I tie uh, the figure out on a bike first, um, and then transition that figure out of the bike into a super eight rather than skipping that step and going straight to the super eight. But any other tips, things that people use to help tying knots? Well, I just um, do not have an expectation that everybody's going to get it really quickly. Like you've already mentioned, that people get them at different rates. So I've been trying to, in the five-day workshops, trying to 
get to the knots that first day in the afternoon, and each person gets their own length of rope, and we just do one knot at a time, but then turn it into a game. So once we have two knots together, it's kind of a different way, Phil, you'll be talking about knot feach, but somebody can call out a knot while we're walking up the hill, and then we've got to stop, drop what we're doing and tie that knot. So they get as many repetitions as possible with a particular knot, and then each day move move to another one. That, that's been, I think, somewhat effective. And again, those people who cannot pick up that knot that first time, or they just encourage them just to be patient, and um, you will pick it up by the time you leave the workshop, but don't expect to have it happen right away. I think um, a couple things. One that I've taken from my college years, there was a norm by my instructors at the OLP that we were not allowed to touch anybody else's rope when we were teaching others. It was really hard, and that forced me to use the language around standing in, working in, to bite, loop, you know. And so because I can't just grab your rope, Rich, and say, just do this. And I think I, I always set that norm in my workshops that please don't touch each other's ropes while you're learning. The other thing that I try to practice, and, and this is hard because I forget and I love feedback on this, is I try not to use words like this is a simple knot, this is a complex mm-hmm. knot, because it, that's my world, and it, like – I, I don't have to impose it on other people. And then the third thing is I've, I try to teach the knot in its functional use first rather than doing a whole session, but people can't really see how is this relevant. Like teach the prussic and the girth hitch at the Australian Ballet. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, it doesn't always work, but I think that helps people. I have a couple of strategies that I use. Um, I, I agree the the introduction of knots initially so that it can be both playful, fun, and applicable to people's world, that that's crucial. I think plenty of practice time, building in practice time each and every day. So in, in custom trainings, I'm often doing a knot session to sort of warm up. We'll do some, you know, active, uh, you know, maybe physical activity, but then sit down for a moment. Once our bodies are engaged, that hopefully will get our brain started and then start doing some knot practice and then finishing the day with that also so that they know that there's going to be a repetitive process by which I think focusing on like the latter part of my trainings, I often say, okay, this morning our review is going to be your nemesis knot. So what's your nemesis? What's that knot that this week has been really a struggle for you? Let's each of us focus on our nemesis knot so we can finally get that dialed down. And I, I wrote um, a while ago, I'm just going to read you what I, I wrote down about um, like any new skill we learn, we must use it or practice it frequently in order for it to become ingrained. As they say, practice makes perfect, but more imper- importantly, perfect practice makes perfect. So please keep a short section of rope handy near your desk, in your car, anywhere that a few idle moments will encourage your fingers and hands to practice tying a few knots. I think that's the ongoing piece that you it's a little it's not like riding a bike once you ride a bike and you know how to ride it it clicks for you and you've got that dialed and even if you put it away for a few years you can often get back on a bike knots i think will degrade over time in terms of your ability to functionally use them and tie them so i think always practicing them is important and when we go to like uh custom trainings and people's sites um people who are nervous about tying them it's 
because they just don't haven't practiced and they just don't know how. They're nervous. They're not nervous if you know how and you're comfortable. And then what happens, unfortunately, is at sites, one person gets labeled as the knots guy or the knots girl, and they're the only person who's tying all the knots. And then the rest of the group gets lazy because they didn't tie them enough. So whenever I go to trainings, I, I you know, I'm a pretty like a. I wouldn't say strict, but I'm pretty strong about I want everyone to be able to tie them. I don't need to know if Rich, you can tie them. I need to know that all three of you could tie them. And when I leave, that you're all comfortable because what happens if that person leaves or goes elsewhere and then the program ends because your one knot tying person is gone? It's like people who leave the knots in. You know, like, oh, I left it in because I, I, I can't remember how to tie it. <laughs> For me, the, 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 you know, there's two ways that I, you know, like to have people practice knots one is let other people in the group lead it, the learning rather than it just being me so i create expert groups where i'll assign like richer in charge of learning how to tie and know how to teach it the super eight and then lisa you're the butterfly and then uh, chris you're the double fishermen's and then have those people be the leaders and rotate around a group um so that we're sharing some of that information and then the the last one is I don't know if it's the best teaching tool, but it is a good assessment tool for me is to use not feature. So feature is um, the charades based activity of um, each of the letters. One of them is fast food. Then it's electrical appliance. Then it's comic book hero, our character from a comic book or comic strip. Um, and it's charade based. So every single one, if you come up to me and the first one is um, a fast food, you'd run back to your group and do charades to figure have the group guess what it is. Well, I throw in knots in between those. And so if you got a knot, you would run back to your group, pick up your rope, begin to tie it, and silently without touching anyone's rope, which is exactly what Lisa was referencing, um, everyone would now pick up their own ropes. And once you identify what the knot is, you all begin to tie it. And once they're all good, you call me over and then I'll assess it before you can do the next one. And the rule is you can't touch anyone's knots and you also can't speak so also encourages people to try to teach a knot if someone is struggling without the verbal cues which in itself is an interesting way for someone to learn they have to realize how their hands move and how they demonstrate their hands to others so it really takes away some of those skills and reinforces others one thing i added at the last adventure basics which i'm going to do from now on is as that was playing out um, I had 80s montage music blasting out of a speaker and it increased the energy of that activity like tenfold. So that's my now, that's like one of my go-to activities. I have a question, I'm curious. What's one knot that you have to use frequently, maybe it's on a challenge course or maybe it's in other parts of your life, that you actually don't like and it doesn't work for you? Like your ability to tie it is challenged. Like what's, is there a knot that, challenges you and you're like god i wish i'd learned this better and it's challenging every time i try to do this i think i go for the old adage of know the four that we use and i i have to venture out more with knots actually i was looking at a blood knot the other day i love the i have an app um it's knots 3d and i really love that because it's a free app and you can see it in different planes and different speeds and i was just looking for another way to tie the end of a rappel ropes and i'm just after reading an article, and I was like, what's a blood knot? So I think I have to start doing a little bit more of that, which is... There was a fun experience. Me and Lisa did like a couple of years where we looked up different Bolands, mainly because Chris doesn't particularly like that knot, it seems. But <laughs> he, so we were on a tear to find as many as we could, and we found like the double Beckett Bolan, and the, there were other ones. But oh, we, so many. it was fun because we were following the same thing, like following those sheets and seeing if we could learn how to tie new knots because we're so used to the knots we tie. 
Well, I think that hits on something, my answer to your question, Chris, which is it's about the context. Like that was fun because we were doing it together. We had a video and we could figure it out. I think I don't have a least favorite knot. It's the ones that I'm not expert in. Mm -hmm. Any of those Mm -hmm. are my least favorite. I bought this book on macrame and the title was like simple macrame. If you can tie a knot, you can ace macrame. I opened up this book and I was like, I can't do any of this because I can't learn that way. Yeah. No, and, and there's there's been cases both here in there's two sort of people that sometimes make me nervous coming into workshops, and one of those who do the work on boats, and they just assume because I tie knots here and I teach it that I must be a knot expert. So they will say, "Hey, do you know this knot?" And I'm like, "I have no idea." And then I feel that pang of embarrassment, and it's the same with rock climbing. Like those are very similar. So there are certain things that Chris, you tie, and I've seen other people bring in and say, "Well, well can I just tie this?" And I'm like. I guess you could. I don't know what that is, so it seems to do the job. So there's like trying to expand, and it's 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 been important. I think we talked about it in the professional development one to try to expand your knowledge base. So I'm always trying to learn new ones so that they can, you know, at least if someone asked me the question, I could, you know, I could know how to tie certain things. As an example, we tie mainly a, a prosec hitch, but I know how to tie the clem heist because I just think it's an, an additional knot in the same vein that's helpful the same with we don't tie here um a triple figure eight we don't use that for our australian belay i know other vendors do and but what i like about the triple eight is that if someone who's a not fanatic in the group who's really excited and they've got really good at the double figure eight i'll tie the triple eight and then i'll throw that on the table in front of them and say figure out how i did that and they're playing with this knot, and that's the most exciting thing for them to go i did it phil and then like and then I, I, then they'll show me how they did it, and it's not the way I tie it. <laughs> but they, like, figured it out by tracing around. And I don't know, I get excited about that kind of stuff. But it's expanding beyond what we necessarily need. But it, I think it educates the things that we do need. How do you answer yeah. that, Chris? You know, my brain immediately went to actually splices. Now, I know those <laughs> are technically not yeah. knots, but they're finishings of rope. And being a former challenge course installer, the one that always got me, and I think it was often known as the Flemish Ben, but I think that was misnamed. It's the, when you're making a lobster claw, so a twin leg lanyard out of multivine, there's a thimble that you clip into right at the harness point, And the ropes come out of that thimble and do this cool weave right there to then differentiate the two legs out but come to a common point that holds the thimble in. And that splice is has always been challenging for me, even when I used to do routinely do that knot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's always Wait, been so challenging. Are lobster claws made with a single strand of multi-line? Yeah. That'd be cool, just as a side note, CCS team, to do like a time lapse oh, yeah. of, uh, of, them tying. of uh, lobster claws being made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And do it again. Thanks for listening. And can you say, uh, thanks for listening to High Five. Thanks for listening to High Five. (laughs) And then what about, thanks for listening to High Five's podcast. Can you do it? Okay, try Thanks for giving us a good guy.
Did anybody hear the one about the lad who tied his shoelaces using just the power of his mind? Thought not. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 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 Damn boys giggle. 